You ready? 30 minutes. Yeah, 30 Good minutes. Luck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so, just kidding. So we're going to start with the easy stuff first. Okay. And then we'll get into the deep dives. All right. Can I so, stop you, though? Yes, of can. I just can. interrupt and begin and derail your podcast? But I want to do this. I want to thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. And other business owners in this area should be thanking you as well. Because what you folks have done and created is super inspiring. Between you at our local community television station, MCTV, partnering with our local Chamber of Commerce and Laura Brait, Marshfield Chamber of Commerce. You've given our business owners a shop local platform, yeah, right? Absolutely. So business owners out there, Face to the name. get 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 involved in, uh, and uh, take Jonathan up on this when he calls yeah. you because it's your story that you get to put out to your community right. to let people know, know you, and like you, trust you, right? And we're pumped that chamber decided to get on board with this you know we it's had, brilliant Lara, it's Lara a, was our first guest we we're like you know what she's great she's a great door opener and then she goes wait a minute we can make this an incentive for chamber members perfect it's great. a brilliant partnership mm-hmm. just like your partnership with the high school you know I, folks <laughs> if, if you don't know i came here to the studio and it's attached to the local high school you know what a great community really You're starting to sound like dr shran <laughs> well it's a it's one of my mentors he is he is same here. So let's start off with the big question. Let's do it. What What is Styles Law? Uh, great question. Um, a difficult one to answer, though, because I would probably say, rather than what is Styles Law, who is Styles Law? Okay. Who is it? It is uh, 18 of the most wonderful people on the South Shore working together. I love every single one of them. And if you were to work with us, you would, too, because mm-hmm. they're great. And what we do at Styles Law is a little bit different than maybe what you were, what you grew up on thinking what a law firm was was like, okay. right? So I grew up with LA Law. Some people grew up with Ali McBeal, yeah. the practice, you know, hard hitting litigation. Yeah. It's always a grind. It's a fight. It's a roll up your sleeves and go get them and, and be careful what you do and say. Um, that's not what we do. Okay. We are more uh, advisors and counselors of individuals and businesses that are in a situation that is a life-altering situation, if you will. So, mm-hmm. for example, um, buying and selling a home, right? Life-altering, right? You're moving, you're downsizing, you're upsizing, you're buying your first home, you're selling a home for the first time, you're selling a home multiple times, yeah. right? Uh, an estate plan. Right, you want to plan. You want to have a succession plan for your family. Those are some of the practices we do. We have startup business attorneys. So if somebody were to look to start up a business, right, Brian Lynch on my team is the guy to go to, right. And then we have the most wonderful support that you know we strive on five star client satisfaction, and and I think we deliver it. And um, and and very proud to say that I am part of. Styles Law with that team. So that's who we are. Something I talked about with Tim Williams on a previous podcast is the customer service side of mm-hmm. the business. He's from the insurance world. And you, you, in something you said, and you were just talking about that, it sounded very similar to that the customer service side has become so much more important than it was maybe five, 10 years ago. Do you think that's really the case? I, I think it's a brilliant question, and I appreciate you asking it because there's a lot of service providers similar to uh, some of the partners we work with, right? So you have a, an attorney. Uh, you know, I work with a lot of real estate agents, a lot of lending professionals, a lot of financial advisors. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of folks like Tim, uh, property and casualty insurance agents. And there's a there's a, a desire or a belief that a lot of these uh, services are going to be commoditized, automated, you know, um, AI, right? So yeah. we're going to be removed with computers, right? So computers yeah. are going to do our job. There is a real fear to that for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But what separates the folks that, you know, for lack of a better term, um, chase to this bottom, right? So somebody who's focusing on price and they're going to just give it away yeah. so that they can win the market share, mm-hmm. right? Those people are the ones who are going to compete with Amazon Mortgage, right? Zillow for real estate. These are the big, mm-hmm. big, big tech that are, you know, threatening to disrupt a certain industry. Right. Um, but those that are focusing on service and customer relations and really, really, truly caring for their client, those are the people that will obviously survive this and really thrive in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm really passionate about that, obviously, but, um, and there's a reason for it because I'm also working on another project that puts seven professionals together in a room monthly to talk about clients. Yeah. You know, they're not partners, but they're, they're not partners in the legal sense, but they're referral partners, and they right. get together and they meet. And it's similar to any networking group that right. you might be involved in, but it's it's these seven core professionals where they come together from two very different business networks, if you will. So you have a, a real estate network, which I'm a part of, right? You have a real estate agent who delivers the referral, the business referral to their partner, hopefully. It's their, hopefully they're not calling them a vendor, Right. Because oftentimes in a commoditized type of business like we could be in, they would call us a vendor. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to deliver this to the vendor because the vendor needs to get it done in order for it to close. So they then send the business to the loan officer and the real estate attorney who do a great job. And we provide as good or better service than anybody around. And I can say that with a straight face with my team. Um, But then you have a very separate and distinct network that's going on down the road that doesn't connect with that network, and that's the financial advisor, a CPA, and an estate planning attorney, and they're both working together uh, in their own networks, and and we've created a methodology which brings them together. And the people that benefit the most from that is the actual client, right, the consumer. So now if we're focusing on their real estate needs, that's great, right? Their real estate needs are taken care of, but if those professionals aren't talking to their tax partners and their financial advisors, they may not know how much they really Mm -hmm. can afford, right? So these conversations are being had and and referrals are being shared, you know, exponentially. But, and that's great for the business partners. That's great for the business folks. But what is so exciting about it is it's so great for the client, Mm -hmm. you know? Gotcha. Did that answer your question, by the way? (laughs) Is that, being an attorney, is there a favorite area of practice for you? And you, you, I know you cover all different areas. Is there, is there one that really you you enjoy more than others? You know, another tremendous question. Um, so, the the beauty of law is that you can kind of change careers within your career. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I started out um, really not knowing what I wanted to do. I started out. I went to college and to law school, uh, following Bob Wolf's path. Path. I don't know if you know who that is. He's pr- one of the first super agents. Yeah. Uh, so he was. I was. I, I thought I would be Jerry Maguire before the Jerry Maguire movie came yep, out. Okay. So I went to college and and um, graduated with a sport management degree, going to law school, thinking that I was going to be an agent. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't realize how much funding you actually needed to be an agent to, to get started. You really need financial backing and I didn't have it. So I said, okay, in, in my future, I'm definitely going to come back to this and do that. So I started, it was more, now we were dating ourselves back to uh, January of 1996. Okay. I started out on my own, so I didn't go to work for any law firm. And it was more what I don't do versus what I do do, right? So someone asked me, what type of law do you do? Well, we don't do divorces okay. and we don't do bankruptcy. So my practice kind of went into the, uh, went to the path of where I was passionate at the time. So passion kind of runs in, in themes with me. But mm -hmm. at the time, I was really um, excited about the courtroom drama, right? The, yeah. uh, the cases. So I, I joined after having been in law school working for the district attorney's office as a, as a law student uh, working in the uh, assistant district attorney's office up in Middlesex County for mm -hmm. an awesome guy. Um, in Somerville District Court, I, I, I got the, the fever a little bit. Yeah. So I didn't really want to go to work for the district attorney's office because I have that entrepreneurial spirit to me, right? So I, I wanted to start out on my own. And part of what you could do as a new lawyer is be a public defender. So I was able to uh, convince the woman in Plymouth County to allow me to do that uh, with zero experience. Um, in a down market, 1996 wow. was kind of a down market, so a lot of attorneys that were otherwise busy doing other things wanted to come back right. and get that court-appointed work. And they probably had priority over me, but mm -hmm. I sat in her you know, waiting area like three days in a row and was like, come on, really, I'll be yeah. good, I promise. Um, and I had a lot of fun doing that. And I had a, most of the fun I had doing that was representing the juveniles, though. And I found that really impactful um, and rewarding. And dealing with the other um, police officers from the various towns and getting to know them and become friendly with them, the police prosecutors, mm -hmm. each town would always bring a representative from their police department uh, to help assist with the, with the government. And I liked it because although I was on the other side of the government, mm -hmm. it wasn't pure litigation where it was draw a line in the sand and, and I'm right at all costs. No, I'm right at all costs. It was more the government is, is there to do what's right, right? They're not there to prosecute everybody who comes in. They're there to, to help guide the people. They represent the people of our community. And um, so having the negotiations was always really, in, you know, it was enjoyable because it was like, how do we help this kid? Yeah. You know, and the judges in the juvenile about court. How can we make sure they don't come back as an adult? Yeah, or or how can we get this person back on the right path? They're they're making certain mistakes, and you know, some of the judges uh, in the court were so great, and the and the assistant district attorneys were so great at the time. But what was happening is they were appointing me more serious crimes, right? Because I was enjoying it, I was doing well. Mm -hmm. We were doing a lot of jury trials in the district court, but they started to assign me really you know heinous crimes. And uh, at the time, I was living in the city with a buddy of mine who was going through the Boston Police Department uh, Academy, and we were talking. And I'm like, I don't know if I can yeah. if I can do this. I mean, I know that everybody needs to have the protections of the Constitution, but I don't know that it's going to be me doing this for the rest of my life. Am I going to wake up and and have to represent somebody that you know really I, I don't care for that much? Right. You know. So I had started into the real estate at that point. And I had a, a, a few referral sources coming in, and, and I just finally said, you know what, this is really more rewarding. Mm -hmm. I, I enjoy it. Everybody's smiling. Nobody's upset. No, I don't have to tell someone to bring their toothbrush to court, you know, just in case. You know, I don't, I'm not sure exactly how this is going to go down, but you might need to bring your 
bring your toothbrush. So, so we've pretty much focused it on real estate, and from there, it's spun out into you know a bunch of other practices with the wonderful people that have joined our team along is, the way. Is real estate the highest percent percentage of work? In um, probably at okay. this point in time, um, a majority of our practice revolves around real estate, and then and then built uh, practices off of that. Yeah. What your background? Are you from Marshfield originally? Are you from outside uh, the area? No. So originally, I'm from the 413 area code out in Western, Western Mass. Part of the state. Yeah, yeah. I lived there from birth in Amherst, Massachusetts, from birth until the age of uh, 14, wow. when my father and I moved to Florida. He was um, he had some health conditions, and the doctor said no more winters. Mm. And I was the youngest of five, and and the only one still in school. And he said, "You ready to go to Florida?" And I said, "I could do that." Yeah. So I, uh, I came of age in Florida, and then I came back to the comfort of the Happy Valley and went to our state university at Amherst. And, uh, and I really, I, I, I've got New England in me. I mean, I loved, loved, loved living in Florida and, and, and going to high school and all the memories I have. And some of the people, you know, are, are some of my closest friends to this day. But Florida just wasn't where I saw myself raising my family. Right. It's just, I love the seasons. I love mm-hmm. the, the four seasons. and. Yeah. So I'm a New Englander at heart. So what's what's a normal day consist of for you? <laughs> normal. So I've been working oh, on air, that. Air quotes normal, <laughs> call it. I've been working on that. I'm, I've been, uh, for the last two years, I've been really, really working on time blocking. Okay. Um, so really putting it in the calendar and, and holding myself accountable to the, the times and, and not straying from the calendar. But as the typical day goes, as the sun comes up, I'm... Um, I'm very active with my family, which is why we moved the business to our town so that, you know, I could be involved with coaching and breakfast and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, but the first thing every day is turn the shower on as cold as it possibly can go and stand in it for 30 seconds and scream and whistle and yell, but I'm up and then it's, and then it's breakfast with the kids. And my youngest right now is in the sixth grade and, um, I, I, uh, my wife jokes about it, but I, I truly make him late every day. So he misses the bus so I can drive him to school. And, uh, and I get that, I get that five minutes of, of awesome, awesome discussion. And then I head to the gym and the day really begins business wise at nine 30 mm-hmm. at nine 30. We have a, a standing call with my team. Uh, if you were to call my phone, you'd, you'd realize between 9.30 and 10 o'clock, I'll yep, be meeting with I've my team. <laughs> and, uh, and we go through kind of a, the docket, if you will, if you were still on LA Law, but it's really our active transactions and we're going through them. And it's Denise on our team who does a wonderful job keeping all of the attorneys organized and, and we're all on the call. And, and anytime there's a issue spotted, you know, there's, there's multiple brains thinking about, you know, the real so-called mastermind, if you will. Uh, I can lean on my 24 years of experience, you know, and the things I've seen. And then we have some of the most brilliant minds on the South Shore who are like, well, why don't we think about it from this perspective? And by 10 a.m., issues are solved, really? you know. So then the day goes on. And, and I've been teaching. Um, I certified a, a school for um, real estate professionals uh, continuing ed. Okay. So we've been utilizing that as a huge driver for um, our business. And uh, so three days a week, I'm teaching two-hour classes to wow. local real estate agents in the area with the hope that um, 
nobody's obligated to give us any business. They're not. That's not why we're doing it. It's so that everybody gets real, true, thorough education, which makes our community better. Our entire real estate community will rise up together. And people have been really engaged in it. You can find it on, uh, if you're a real estate professional, it's a, it's a closed Facebook group, but it's um, The Real Estate School at 892. Okay. And Lorreen uh, also, Lorreen Swift from Marshfield also um, runs that school for me. And it's been, it's been great. And, um, and what we're doing is we're taking a broken model, right? The continuing ed, which they can get it online, yeah. right? And they all have told me behind closed doors that they hit play and they go do the dishes and the laundry and other matter, stuff yeah. and they're not listening to it, right? Or they're going to a big hotel with 500 other people and they're just texting and doing work, mm-hmm. not listening. Where here we've got eight people in a room, we close the door, everything we talk about stays within these four walls, right? And we share ideas and we share experiences and we learn collaboratively. And it's been it's been really exciting. So that's been a lot of my day. Does it make your part as a real estate attorney easier because you're getting better educated, well-prepared realtors instead of, you know, you get it and still like, why you have to kind of decipher a mess? Well, so if I'm understanding your question, um, you know, I have to prepare and get ready for each class, right? But or if, like, say, one of those attorneys come. I'm sorry, one of those oh, real estate you know people comes to you afterwards, and they, they always do. Yeah, they always do. Are you getting? Is it easier for you on your end because now they're prepared? They're yes. So and that's the goal. So I so right. um, after the class, you know, we kind of congregate in the hallway, and everyone's like, "Can I just ask you one more question?" Yeah. You know, that they didn't want to share with the class, and that's fun. Um, again, no obligation to to send us business, but it's it's. It really, I can tell that just by the, just by the community engagement on the Facebook page that they're really enjoying learning, mm-hmm. right? It's almost like it's new to them because they have, they've blown off CEs for yeah. their entire career, depending if they're in it for six months or 40 years. They've really, nobody's really put a very heavy focus on it, you know, because they're not getting tested. They just have to prove that they were, they were sitting somewhere, mm-hmm. right? So here we're, you know, focused on, on educating them. And it's, it's paying dividends because I see them working together better too. You know, there's not as, cause we preach a lot a little in there and we talk about, you know, drawing a line in the sand and that the reality is, is that when a buyer and a seller come together in an agreement, your job is done real estate professional. Like everything else is customer service mm-hmm. by law. You're going to get paid if that closes, whether you do anything or not. So why are, why are we fighting, right? Let's all get along, right? And let's realize that the buyer wants to buy, seller wants to sell. Let's not have any any obstructions and let's guide it to the closing. And so we're talking a lot about that and I can see that vibe happening within our community, which is awesome. awesome. You've talked you talked about this earlier, about your partners and your groups and all that. And business is so referral-based at this point, very referral-driven. Who are the best partners for you? And I'm glad you refer to them as partners because that's that's enlightened. Um, because even though we are a professional service company, um, we have been attempted to become commoditized by a lot of people. Our competitors, right, have chased the bottom, right. So I'll do this for free. I'll do that for free. So now the the what I like to refer to as our referral partners treat us that way, right. So. You know, we become vendors. We become cogs in the wheel, mm-hmm. and it and it's 
it's an industry that really needs to be disrupted, and and part of it is through that that uh, networking group that I was referring to, Core Seven. You can find that at mycore7.com, M Y C R E, the number seven dot com. Um, because I'll give you an example. So so to answer your question, real estate professionals and and loan professionals are the direct source for closings, okay. right? So we do a good job. They send us business. If we add value to them, they would send us business. But the industry overall is ripe for disruption. And I'll give you an example of why I say that. Um, I was at a fundraiser for an awesome charity organization. I would, I would be um, supporting them every year, no matter what, because of what they're doing. And it's amazing. And a real estate company is the one who puts it out front. Okay. So they host this event for a wonderful organization for, you know, it's their charity of choice. It's, and it's a great one. Mm -hmm. So happy to support it. But I look over at the banner to uh, one of my friends who works at the company and I said, look at that. In what industry is that sustainable? So we're looking at the banner. Welcome everybody to the 2019, blah, blah, blah. Every supporting member, everybody who put money behind the, um, the event was a lawyer, was a law firm. So it was all listed on there. I'm, I'm like, this is a one-legged stool. In what industry can one industry be completely 100% supported by another industry? It just, it doesn't work, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not, um, it's not sustainable. No. And here we are getting ready to disrupt it because you have this one-way referral. It's like a line, right? It's kind of like the Lion King, the circle of life. Mm -hmm. With the new way about it, you're bringing the people in, right, to the loan officer and the and the lender the closing attorney and the lender, and they're bringing those people to the CPA, the financial mm -hmm. advisor, and the state planning attorney. Those people are over here talking about real estate, where they never had an interest in real estate, right? Mm -hmm. So the financial advisor's focused on your retirement. They're focused on your 529. But how about having a conversation with your financial advisor that goes something like this? Hey, Jonathan, I noticed that your 529 is dwindling down. It looks like kids are getting, you're getting ready to be an empty nester. How's your relationship with your real estate agent mm -hmm. that focuses in upsizing, right-sizing, downsizing, investment properties, properties in Marshfield, what have mm -hmm. you? And that person is saying, you know what, I don't know. Well, let me introduce you to Jonathan. Jonathan's a great person, and boom, right. there's someone in Jonathan's database for down the road. Maybe it's not a week from now that he's buying something, it's or it's six months, it's now. probably two years from now. But mm -hmm. you're that agent that that person's thinking of now because of the financial advisor, because of the loan officer introducing them. So the realtor now has more reason to work with these people as opposed to, yeah, they do a good job. They support my foundation. They have, you know, good swag, which we have great swag, by the way, at Styles Law. Have you seen any of it around? Yes, I have. <laughs> I do. So speaking of that, you're very, very involved in the community. Talk, talk about some of the, the things that you've done. Because you've done some really um, neat things. Well, it's important very, to me. You're very involved. Thank you. I appreciate that. And and you know what? It, it's it's very important to me. You know, I was raised that charity and and community involvement is is um, is really important. And um, yeah, I'm very proud to say. You know, I was on the founding board of the Marshfield Education Foundation, mm -hmm. um, where we did a lot of amazing things, and they continue to do mind blowing things. And I love it, yeah. and we'll continue to support them as long as I'm around here. Um, you know, saying we support the Boys and Girls Club very heavily. Um, I am now a member of the Zoning Board of Appeals, which I thought would be great, but it's town government, so it's not as uh, 
is not as glari- uh, glorious no, not as glorious. I thought. No, but I but I do appreciate helping the landowner, mm-hmm. you know, because they need a voice. And I think there's a lot of people that tend to say no without really kind of thinking it through and saying, well, maybe this does make sense. Um, but what I, I'm probably most proud of as a as a citizen or member of the Marshfield community is um, Dante Damasa and I uh, in 2012 uh, started the Marshfield flag football program. Uh, Dante was instrumental and in, in just a brilliant human being. If you could ever get him on this show, okay. your folks would have just brain pleasure. He is uh, really intelligent and just such an awesome guy. Um, and um, so we had kids around the same age, and, uh, and funny how it goes full circle sometimes. The YMCA, I was a member at the time, had a flag football program and okay. we'd work out there and we'd bring the kids to the pool and all that fun stuff that the Y has to offer. And I saw the flyer and I'm like, this is great. Let's get the kids in there, Jules. Let's sign them up. Boom, let's go. And and they ran a pretty cool program. Um, and we did that for 2010, 2011. Dante did it with us. I said, Dante, I know you've been talking about this for little Dante. Let's, let's get him in there. We'll mix it up. I'll coach. It'll be great. So we did that, and then in, after the 2011 season, I said, Dante, you know, I think Marshfield would, would really Do benefit, yeah, by having this program. So I went online, and it was really, really easy. I wish I could say it was harder, but you go on the NFLflag.com, mm-hmm. and it pops up, and it says, find a team or find a league, start a league. And I said, okay, well, I've already found uh, a league, right, at the Y. Let me see what it says to start. 20 bullet points. You know, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this, you need to do that. And I'm like, oh my God, I can even figure out how to do this. And uh, and brought in Dante, who is brilliant. I mean, he's in the finance industry, so so he was the spreadsheet guy. You know, he was the algorithm guy. If we get, you know, 42 kids signed up by this date, then we need to order this many jerseys. That stuff, my mind would just, I'd melt, and I wouldn't do it, right? So he took that role. I took the role of... Um, recruiting the coaches. Mm-hmm. So if you talk to some of those folks, I mean, this is 2012 now, we're talking seven years ago. Yeah. Um, shamed a lot of people, you know, um, grabbed a few by the short hairs and, and got to know a lot of people. And then we had one uh, early meeting, it was the draft for 2012, and there was 80, 80 men in that room at the tavern at the time. <laughs> and they were all there for a similar purpose. And it was, it was really cool because there was a lot of resistance Really? There was a ton, yeah. I mean, remember back 2012, we're in a really heavy, heavy football town. And yeah. I love football. Mm-hmm. Every one of my kids have now played tackle football. Mm-hmm. I had n- never had anything against tackle football, but there was a perception that we were a competition, you know? Mm-hmm. And there was enough, you know, tackle football folks that were, you know, upset with what we were doing. And, and there was some level of... Uh, obstacles to get through. It was right at the same time as the fee- the high school was being built, so there was yeah. no fields. Mm-hmm. So we're the newbie coming in, and and it really felt like we were walking through, you know, bullets, really? you know, and mm-hmm. and hand grenades. But it was it was so rewarding. We had uh, we opened it up with a big launch, and and again the community, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, but it was a lot of fun, and and we had a lot of families who um, who really enjoyed it, and it kind of opened up the doors for flag football, which I think is probably the greatest youth sport on the mm-hmm. planet right now. I don't think it's going to take football completely away, although we have some bills on the floor of mm-hmm. whether a tackle football should yeah. be eliminated up till eighth grade and, and, and so on and so forth. But there is a lot of, of real um, 
real lifelong experiences mm-hmm. and memories that I have from playing that sport. Whether or not that sport is is outlawed or becomes, you know, something of the past right. where, you know, there's nobody playing tackle football anymore. How could they play that violent game? That was crazy. Why were anyone doing that? It's like smoking cigarettes at 12 years old. How could anyone do that? But, I, you know, I think there's definitely a place for high school football, um, and I hope that doesn't go away. But, you know, I, th- I think what we tried to do is give families a- an alternative, mm-hmm. right? You have tackle football, and, you know, m- what what I, was, I tried to explain to a lot of the tackle football supporters in the beginning when they thought saw us as a competition was, you know, it's not the kid's choice, yeah. right? Every third grade kid or every third grade kid that craves physical contact would want to play tackle football, but th- maybe the family's not yeah. ready. So here we are, you know, giving you an option yeah. to keep them playing football, right? You know, because those kids will play a game called football with similar rules as tackle football it's a very different game obviously but they're not they're not going and playing another sport maybe soccer so they're they're still focused on football so when the family is ready to play tackle football then the kid will be a little bit more prepared but he'll still be engaged with the sport and i always uh lean back on situate um you don't have to go very far to find out how successful flag football was the year after i started um or Dante and I rather started the flag football program in 2012 and committed our five years, right? Mm-hmm. We sat in that room with 80 men and said, you know, I'm doing this for five years, we'll give it our all, and then right. we're gonna hand it off, which brings it full circle to Boys and Girls Club, because Jim, who's now at the yeah. Boys and Girls Club, another guy who would be great uh, yeah, on this great. podcast, was at the Y. So now yeah. we're, we're handing over the succession plan as flag football is going to the Boys and Girls Club. So it's back to Jim again. It's so awesome how that, that is, works. That but but Situate head coach called me right after the first season and said, hey, tell me about the flag football. I want to know how to get this going in Situate. Yeah. And this is the head varsity football coach. And I'm like, wow, this guy's so progressive. He gets it. He knows exactly what his mm-hmm. community needs. And he won the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, let's say, look, where the, look what happened last year. He won Situate. the Super Bowl last year. Herb, you're the man, coach. Yeah. Um, another thing that I've always found interesting that you do is you do the PMC. I do. Tell us about that. How you how you got started in that? And um, so how did I get started in that? So, Rich Murphy, also a, a, a Marshfield uh, citizen and wonderful human being, one of my closest and dearest friends, um, was diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, was told a couple of times to go and get his estate plan signed because mm-hmm. there's nothing more we can do for you. Mm-hmm. And his his unwillingness to accept that was uh was super inspiring and he and his wife his wife was really a proponent of fundraising and awareness and 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 you know taking the focus away from dying you know and 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 do it by living and she organized a bunch of groups to do the sprint triathlons at duxbury beach um way back when he was was sick and we were raising money for his doctor who eventually put rich in touch with a drug that you know, I, I don't think I'm allowed to say cured him, but made it so that he is cancer free now yeah. after, you know, um, being told to go ahead and sign all of his paperwork. And, you know, Wall Street Journal did an article on him. He, he, he gets upset when I talk about this and I love I love it. Um, called him Superman. <laughs> they called him Superman because he shouldn't be alive right now. Wow. And he is. So we went from the tries to PMC. Somebody introduced uh, our group to the PMC, and we've grown a really cool team. And it's a really, 
it's a really amazing event because of a, a number of things. One, how much money they raise. I mean, it's a two-day yeah, event, they and they raised $60 million this year. Six zero million dollars for Dana-Farber, Jimmy Fund, Cancer Research, all of that good stuff. And these folks are really they're finding cures, yeah. you know, slowly but surely mm -hmm. they're finding cures for cancer. And the event itself, once I did it once, I'm like, I don't foresee myself ever not doing this if I physically can do it because it was really 48 hours of, of pure joy and gratitude. Um, everybody from the volunteers, thank you for riding people on the side of the street, you know, with their signs saying, you know, I'm 12 years old because of you, you know, I mean, it's like, yeah. whoa, yeah. And then the riders just community talk, you know, it was just great. And it's a, it's a grueling ride, yeah. but you know, it's symbolic, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, I, I'm going up a hill and it's, I'm dying and it's hot. I'm not dying. I strike yeah. that, <laughs> no, I know but saying. I'm, I'm painfully riding up this hill and I'm looking at these pictures of these little kids yeah. who are going through treatment currently. And it's like, right. okay, I guess I can pedal through this if they can do that. And, uh, and then it's up to the folks to raise money, right? So it's kind of like we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. We all want to cure cancer. So I'm going to ride, and I'm going to ask you for some money. And I'm going to be really aggressive about how I ask you for the money. So pretty yeah. please how many years put some money. Um, I think I, I just completed my fifth year. Uh, are you one of those people that enjoy cycling, or you just kind of get onto it when you know it's pan, when it's great, PMC time? Great, great question. I've tried to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I've tried to become a cyclist, but it's it's April fifteenth. I pull the bike down, I ride with my buddies, and I have a great time. I'm not going to ride by myself. Um, I'm not going to train indoors. I'm not going to go to spin classes, but I'll ride hard with them. Uh, prepare for it and then on august 4th or 5th or whatever day we roll into p-town i put it back in the garage and i don't get on it again i would love to say that i'm a cyclist but i'm not i'm a i'm a pmc rider um getting into the home stretch um was there it's been a half hour already know, yeah it has been <laughs> as, as was there a mentor you had early in your career or someone now or you know that's another great question as i mentioned um previously I, uh, I started my practice right out of the gate, right? Yep. Okay. Um, so I didn't really have an attorney mentor. Um, I had a lot of attorneys that gave me advice along the way, mm -hmm. like, um, you know, be honorable, tell the truth. And even if you make a mistake, as long as you own up to mm -hmm. it and, and you are truthful and honest, no one's going to die right. for the most part. I mean, I'm not sure if there's any... I guess in the death penalty situation, if I made yeah. a mistake and the guy died, it, <laughs> it could yeah. happen. Yeah, that's but, true. but really my mentors, um, my older brother was really, is really good. And, and uh, right after law school, he gave me a bunch of books and tapes that, that he had um, found really inspiring. So, you know, I would probably say, you know, my mentors are Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, mm -hmm. Wayne Dyer, you know, the folks that really kind of woke me up to, yeah. to another way of thinking about things. And, um, and I just continue to po continue to learn. I listen to a ton of podcasts yeah. now, and I'm always, always learning, right? Mm -hmm. And and that's what the kind of the model of that real estate school I was talking about is. Yeah. You know, if you're not learning, you're dying. So let's just keep learning and sponging and sharpening that brain up. If we had the time machine here and you were able to go back in time, what would you tell yourself, or maybe a piece of advice you'd give to yourself, starting out back in 19, the mid 1990s? Back in the mid 1990s, huh? Oh, Listening to some Pearl Jam. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a great question. You know, 
I listened to a TED Talk recently by Brene Brown uh, on vulnerability and shame. And it was really eye-opening because I have been putting myself out there a little bit more in the last five years, you know, with our YouTube channel and, you know, Facebooks and lives and this new Core 7 project at mycore7.com. I would have started being more vulnerable earlier. And I'm, and that's what I'm kind of sharing with my kids now is like, you know what, get up on stage and sing karaoke. Who cares? Who cares? Be vulnerable, you know, let your guard down and good things will always happen. Thanks so much for doing this, Mark. Hey, I appreciate you. I, and truly, truly from the bottom of my heart, I am grateful that you and Laura have put this thing together for our community and our business owners and Mm -hmm. everybody take advantage of it because it's really a really nice thing you've done for us. Thank you. Good.